Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to the What's What. I am genuinely, and I really mean this, genuinely wondering how our listeners are doing. Are you guys okay? I certainly hope so. You know, honestly, it's been a long year. Um, it's January. Like I said, Celeste, it's been a long year. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny, actually, someone just posted something that said, what a long year this week has been. And I mm-hmm. totally agree with them. But as the famous story once said, we just got to keep on swimming and keep on swimming. Or we could just stop swimming and find an anemone and just chill. You know? <laughs> First of all, while you're chilling on your sea, anemone, nice word, by the way, Alex, let's get down to breaking this week's trend in retail and consumer goods. I'm your host, Matt Marcotte, joined by Alex Drinker. Hello. Celeste Richardson. Hello. And Sarah Hillstrom. Hey there. So, friends, I'm going to kick it off this week because, get this, eggs, milk, and bread are ready for their close-up. Uh, <laughs> the eggs, bread, and milk. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you heard me right. So, if you thought live streaming was just for fashion, you thought wrong. So lights, camera, action for grocers. And yeah, like grocers have actually turned to live streaming and other forms of contextual commerce. Do you mean like voice assistant? Yes, just like voice assistant. And, um, you know, really adding the buy button on digital recipes, scan and bag apps. And they're just doing all these things to remove the friction and add convenience to the shopping experience. Convenience. It's just so beautiful, isn't it? It really is. Uh, One third of consumers now had online channels to make their grocery purchases. So, you know, we've been talking for a long time about like, will people continue shopping online for groceries? Well, they do in a sense because they're all researching and doing a lot of uh, homework on what recipes am I going to make? So customers who shop in multiple channels are actually 3.5 times more likely to be more loyal to brands than in-store only shoppers. So those are definitely the, the right shoppers for grocers to be targeting. And they're really looking to new strategies to capture and engage these consumers to help offset those razor thin margins that they live on. This is so cool, especially because for consumers, online grocery shopping doesn't just start by like getting to a single grocer's website. There's all these places that we can capture their attention. Maybe they're on Pinterest and they're clicking a shoppable recipe or maybe they're me. This is what I do. I'm on a food (laughs) blog. I'm looking for inspiration. I find a recipe and I'm adding ingredients directly to my grocery list. So grocers like Kroger, Whole Foods, H-E-B and Sprouts are capitalizing on all this pre-checkout behavior, and then seeking ways to monetize content and drive digital traffic with shoppable integrations. And I'm here for it. Yes, I'm here for it too. Something else to note, as more consumers have really adopted this online grocery shopping, in-store advertising for brands is not necessarily the surefire strategy that it once was, especially as many customers are opting to just like pick up their groceries. So they're not even entering the store. So CG brands are really shifting uh, more of their marketing spend to digital channels. And one example is advertising their products alongside those relevant digital recipes that you were talking about and turning those content into transactions. I mean, sorry for the non sequitur, but all this recipe talk has me way hungry. <laughs> I'm always hungry. So we have that in common. And you know what consumers are hungry for? So there is some sort of connection here. I mean, I'm hungry for the end of the pandemic. <laughs> Hell yeah. We all are, but that's not where I was going with this. How about is in the eye of the beholder when they're looking at deals? Does that make sense? Amen to that, Alex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, amen. Walgreens reported 
a rise in beauty and personal care sales of roughly 16.5% and 11.5% respectively in its first quarter with healthy growth in store. And those numbers aren't just something we'd make up. Oh. <laughs> we got pretty far down without making a pun. Couldn't help it. Well, vaccines have encouraged more foot traffic. I think we've seen that. Um, Walgreens took a truly omni-channel approach to accelerating its beauty business by investing heavily in revamping its digital app and loyalty program, like a lot of other people. The store has been a really strong vehicle for customer acquisition, while the app and loyalty programs turn these customers into repeat purchases. Yeah, and we definitely know that digitization efforts have such a halo effect on businesses, right? Like Walgreens, for example, recognize this and has been on a big digital transformation journey for a few years now, both here in the U.S. and in the U.K. through Boots. Yeah, and, you know, what's interesting is we talk about digital all the time, but a majority of sales still happen in stores. But almost every sale is influenced by a digital experience, right? And consumers, they don't care. They don't know what channel they're in. We talk about channels all the time, but they don't know what channel they're in. And it's more about having an emotional connection to the brand. And those emotionally connected customers are two times more valuable. And an integrated view of customers and an investment in improving in the experience will grow the business holistically and drive loyalty, which is really critical to long-term success. Yeah, and strong retail partnerships for CG brands based on a common goal of understanding and engaging consumers can help boost bolster sales for both parties. So here's a fact. Oh, we love facts. Sorry about that. We're excited about that. I got Uh, excited. (laughs) 70% of decisions in CG are still made in store. So joint efforts and linking engagement plans to a perfect store would be a win-win. I like that you're talking about CG. That feels like a win for me. And I love this win-win. So since we're talking about wins, are virtual influencers a win? I mean, they won't have a skincare routine. So I'm guessing yes. (laughs) You know, I actually think they could come up with something. (laughs) But to date, get this, there are 150 or maybe even more virtual human influencers out there busy collaborating with brands and showcasing latest products in their perfectly virtual lives. I know. I Who knew? So a really good example that you guys might have seen is one of the first virtual influencers was little Michaela. She became really popular when she took over Prada's Instagram account during Milan Fashion Week back in 2018. I mean, I want to ask why, but I think we already know why. You know why. So (laughs) we know influencer marketing is a thing. According to Media Kicks, brands are expected to spend as much as, wait for this, $15 billion annually on real human influencer marketing by 2022. That's up $8 billion from four years before. Cha-ching. Wow. I know. So what does that tell us? Probably we should be influencers. But basically, companies are ready to spend significant dough for real influencers who might choose to move on the next year. I think I see where this is going. Hmm? Yeah. You could have human influencers or why not create your own virtual influencer who costs less and is 100% controllable by the brand. So hopefully no unexpected surprises. Uh, and then can appear in many places at once and is pretty loyal. Wow. Yeah, I could see the benefits. This is crazy. So online fashion retailer Ukes created a digital avatar based on customer preference data in their app called Daisy. And she helps customers with product try-ons and, of course, has her own Instagram feed. 
Hmm. Maybe we should get a virtual influencer for the what's what to convince people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Wait, you don't mean my 10 followers isn't going to be enough? What are you talking about? Yeah, I think we're going to need the that. money to bribe some people. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, is anyone slightly weirded out that there might one day be a virtual influencer takeover? I mean, I guess in some ways, human influencers are already pretty robotic, um, <laughs> at least one that I look at. So, I mean, look, some, I, we've already talked about a few, but there's others who are helping brands create their own businesses that are creating their own virtual influencers, like Maya, the virtual influencer for Puma in Southeast Asia. And Puma can now render several face versions, essentially the first building block to creating a truly virtual person. Super creepy. So creepy. Super creepy. Well, everyone can rest assured that our next guest is not virtual. He is real. I mean, at least I think he is. So... <laughs> Justin Lintz, are you real? What's up, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> hey, all. As far as I know, yes, I, I am real. Thanks for having me. Who uses DoorDash every week? Me. Uh, and I mean, Shocking. it's like more like a couple times a week for, for me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I just checked my bank statement. I've DoorDash 156 times this past year. <gasps> so oh, my every God. Day is much more reasonable. Ooh, we should figure out who's done the most. I think we just found out. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're back to food, which means we're all getting hungry again. <laughs> totally. Yeah, hang in there, buddy. Um, over the last month, DoorDash has actually inked deals that have me very intrigued. They've expanded their business, which already has over 20 million users who generate almost $3 billion in revenue for them. And so DoorDash is, is really continuing to find new ways to grow. Uh, which makes sense uh, if you think about the context of the world that we're living in. It's it's a connected world, and and DoorDash is certainly doing their part to increase accessibility of different brands and different restaurants wherever you live in, in the world. And over the last month, uh, as I mentioned before, J.C. Penny and Southeastern Grocers have both turned to DoorDash to deliver their goods on demand. And so as, as retailers continue to look for, for new ways to differentiate the way they, they bring their products to consumers in this omni-channel environment, DoorDash has been able to capitalize. That's really interesting and hard on your wallet, Justin. But <laughs> I think this has some so really true. cool implications for the CG world, because as we're always talking about, brands are super excited when retail partners can reach more consumers because they're trying to get more households or more frequency or drive basket size. But if DoorDash is now making top restaurants and their packaged products available to consumers nationwide, I guess my question is, will they partner directly with CG companies? Only time will tell, but <laughs> I'd place a bet on it. I am with you. I'm taking that bet. All right. All right. Well, Justin, thank you for that. And I'm so sorry that you spent so much money or maybe I'm not. I don't know. Either way, it was <laughs> nice to have you here in quote unquote real life. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great trend breakdown, everyone. And there you have it. As always, we also have a lot of good things popping in this week's What's What newsletter. In Goodreads, check out how Steve Madden and Dolce Vita are entering the secondhand market, how the ESG sector is changing, GameStops pop into the NFT marketplace realm, and read more about Best Buy launching its own in-house media company. And we cannot say goodbye without bringing you the one thing that is making us oh so happy this week. So Celeste, take it away. 
This makes me oh so happy. So a good bath is just good for the soul. Am I right or am I right? Yeah, <laughs> true. Until you forget that the scented bath drops you plopped in there made the basin as slippery as a freshly Zamboni dice rink. And then you go flying when you try to get out. So anyways, <laughs> I mean, are we speaking from personal experience? <laughs> seriously, I mean, that was very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, totally. And a little too like specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard it from a friend. Okay. All right. Wink, wink. Uh, but don't worry. Bath time is about to get a lot more exciting and smart. So I don't know how many of you have been following CES, but uh, Kohler was recently recognized at CES this year for their perfect fill bath filler and drain technology. Wait for it. You could say they made a splash with it. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. How do we ever make it to the end of this podcast? <laughs> We've only had one. Alex had one earlier. I had to I had to match it with something. All right. Well, the Perfect Fill system comes with a smart drain and digital app controller and bath filler. And it's allowing people to draw their perfect bath while they're cleaning up after dinner, heading home from work, get that perfect temperature, the perfect height, and the perfect fill. Oh, my God. Am I dreaming, Celeste? This sounds like a dream. <laughs> I mean... Unfortunately, it kind of is a dream for right now. Uh, it's not on sale yet, but once it goes on sale, it'll probably be a couple thousand dollars. So we'll give you a little bit of time to uh, start saving up. <laughs> okay. Now, if only they could figure out a way to incorporate bubbles, I would totally be up for it. Or some anti-slip technology. Oh, my God. And we're back to Mr. Specific Example. Wink, wink. All right. <laughs> I'm really kind of a little worried about you. But for now, let's sign off. And we can all find the bath salts or bubble bath or whatever temperature makes us happy. And for you, Alex, maybe a helmet. And some food. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally food. Forgot about that. Well, until next time, everyone, have an amazing week and we'll catch you on the other side. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.